Welcome back to another season of the Lions College Football Podcast. I am Brett Gibbons with thelions.com, and I am once again, as always, joined by Kelly Ford. Kelly, what's going on, man? How are you? I'm doing well, Brett. Excited to be here. The season is progressing nicely. Uh, We've got a nice week three midweek slate here. Uh, The Saturday slate, I know we're going to get to that later. Not as beefy as some people would like. Some people asking me, oh, it's a snoozer. You can go do this. You can go do that. I was like, guys, we only get 13 full college football Saturdays. Like, it's not the beefiest slate. I'll give you that. But we can't take any of this for granted. We can't miss any of this. These are the weeks that chaos reigns. So uh, we're going to get into that in the midweek, too, I'm sure. So <laughs> I'm excited, man. We're here. College football. We wait all summer for any college football. Now we have it. Let's please not complain about we don't like how much is on the slate. Like, don't don't do that. No, and this is the weekend sandwiched in between loaded week two and loaded week four. Like, this is the weekend that the big shakeups happen. This is when all the upsets happen. So don't look away too long or you're really going to miss a whole lot. Uh, maybe we can suss out some of those upsets as we go along here. But before we get into it, don't forget to follow the lines on Twitter at the lines US. I am at Road to CFB, and Kelly's work can be found at K Ford Ratings. We'll be here every single week breaking down the college football slate as well as individual weeknight games, which is what we're here to do today. We've got some nice weeknight games, I think, on tap. I uh, will get into them. I think Friday I, Friday night's got a good a good slate of games. If you're really in the weeds in college football, if you're a Fairweather fan, eh, maybe it doesn't jump off the page of you. But uh, for guys like you and me, Kelly, uh, Friday night is is an absolute doozy here. I do want to start with the Thursday night game, though. We have Navy. At Memphis, Memphis a 14.5 point favorite. This one carries an over-under of 47.5 points. Kicks off Thursday night at 7.30 p.m. Eastern on the ACC Network. Um, right off the bat, I don't know a darn thing about either of these teams. It's really hard kind of to suss out what they've done on the season because Navy had the you know the blowout versus Notre Dame. You didn't learn a whole lot except that, I don't know, Navy might be really bad. And then they had a 24-0 win over Wagner, who I ranked 127th in the FCS. So not exactly... The most resounding win there, but hey, you know, winning is is overrated. Taking care of business is over or underrated, I should say. And then on Memphis's side, uh, they had a win over uh, Bethune Cookman and Arkansas State, who may just very well be the worst team in the FBS. Uh, so yeah, I really don't know a whole lot about either of these teams. Navy's offense has some serious issues. Uh, only scoring twenty four in that win over Wagner is is a touch concerning. They're running one of the slowest paces in the nation, one hundred sixteenth in terms of seconds per play. Uh, not enough explosive plays to make that slow tempo worth it either. They're 99th in EPA on the season. Um, I, the word I wrote out here was atrocious. I fear that this Navy offense might be atrocious. But on the other side, you have Ryan Silverfield, who's lost eight of his last 10 one-score games as the head coach of Memphis. That's not actionable at my, minus 14 and a half, although uh, Navy has taken some money. This did open at minus 16. But maybe a live bet opportunity. If you're seeing that this game might come down to a one-score game, uh, yeah, I'll gladly uh, bet against Ryan Silverfield in that kind of uh, in that situation. And Navy, past few years, has has made a living off of mucking games up and winning them by three to seven points. That's just kind of what they do uh, to good teams. But I do have to note, Seth Hennigan, really, really, really good quarterback for Memphis, really productive. Uh, he threw two interceptions against Bethune Cookman. So uh, I don't know what to make of them. Kelly, help me out here. Yeah, I mean, it is, it's still early enough in the year, and we're talking about a couple American teams. There are some unknowns still, but I do now have Memphis with the second best chance to make the AAC championship game at 51%. Only SMU has a better chance at 57%. So that is new. They have surpassed Tulane uh, as, as things stand right now. Um, 
as of right now, I project Memphis with better than a 50% chance to win each of their remaining regular season games, Brett. Three of those have a projected spread of a field goal or less, though, so could be some close ones. This game is not one of those. Um, I have the Tigers minus 17, 89% chance to win. Memphis is up to number 49 in my power ratings. That's 11 spots higher than where they were when we started. The wow. improvement, yeah, the improvement's driven largely by the defense, uh, which has improved from number 78 in the preseason to number 43 currently. So I am impressed with, by what I've seen uh, with this defense so far. I'm on Navy side, I'm projecting seven of their final 10 games to have a one score spread. So because of that, this Navy team right now, I'm giving a 45% chance to go bowling. But with that said, this Navy team is not good right now. Uh, the midshipmen are power rated number 104. They have the number 95 defense. You called the atrocious, uh, the offense atrocious. I have them number 125. Um, so I would agree with you. They are among the bottom 10 in all of FBS. This is a potential trap game for Memphis. They t- face a really tough test uh, against a Missouri team at a neutral site in St. Louis next week. But I don't think they're going to take Navy lightly. This is a is a conference game. It's their first conference game of the year. I'm not the only one out there saying maybe they're a sleeper in the American Athletic Conference. So I, I think they're going to take them seriously. You you, you have to. Uh, anytime you play the service academies, they I don't know where things are different now at Navy, but still, they're different. You have to prepare for them a special way. I think everything's going to be fine from a Memphis perspective. They might not cover that full 17 like you talked about, but that's what my numbers make it. So bottom line, Memphis minus 17, it gives the midshipmen an 11% chance to pull off the upset. Yeah, we are currently uh, week three, I guess week four of Navy football playing. You know, they they went over into Ireland and played Notre Dame, and then they came back and had a bye week, and then... They play Wagner, and now they're at Memphis, and then they have another bye week. So we're talking about a really well-rested midshipman team uh, going into week five. Interesting, though, you mentioned that uh, SMU and Memphis have your top uh, percentage chance to make the AEC championship. Right now, uh, my aggregated power ratings have all three of these teams within a single point of each other. I mean, Mm -hmm. I still have Tulane uh, tops there, but less than a point behind them is is Memphis, and SMU is in between those with a – after a defensive uh, slugfest with the Oklahoma Sooners, as we all uh, foresaw in in that so, game, the, 20, the 28-11 win. Right, right. Well, interestingly, Brett, I'm with you. I have Tulane as the highest power-rated team out of these three. Now, it's very close. Like you said, they're the highest power rating, but because of the conference schedule that they play, and again, it's an eight-game conference schedule in a 14-team league that's not balanced. Because of right. that, Tulane ends up just slightly below those other two for now. Yeah, I, my uh, my aggregated power ratings are right in step with yours. I uh, my uh, minus seventeen in favor of Memphis. I uh, but the market moved away from that number, and I don't know if it's because of this is getting really in the weeds in in terms of how the betting market works. But maybe it's because there's lower limits earlier in the week, and that's when the pro betters tend to manipulate lines that they can then come back later with in the week with higher limits to bet the other side. I don't know if that's the case here with Memphis or not. I, again, I, I really don't know enough about either team. Uh, it looks like you know your numbers, uh, my aggregated numbers are kind of leaning Memphis, but at this side of 14, at 14 and a half, I don't know if I'm willing to lay that number. If I can get a square 14 or maybe even a 13 and a half if you're patient uh, up until kickoff, maybe that's the case. Um, of course, if Memphis starts to rise, it's going to rise quickly because you're having pro betters coming back with a lot higher limits later in the week. Um, so I guess we're going to start off the first game here with uh, without without a bet. I'll I'll put out a lean of Memphis, but uh, no official play uh, from me here. The next one on deck, we have Army at UTSA. The Roadrunners are a nine point favorite. 
has an over-under of 45 points. Uh, spoiler alert, the weeknight games, not a lot of points being projected to be scored here. All of the over-unders are in the <laughs> 40s here. Uh, this one is at 45. Game kicks off Friday night at 7 p.m. Eastern on ESPN. Frank Harris, big thing here. He's not guaranteed to play. He's been banged up all throughout camp. He was banged up in week one. He was banged up in, in and out of the Texas State game. So he is clearly not playing at 100%. If you're watching this, UTSA, meet me. The Roadrunners offense is, is a, at a grinding halt right now, uh, not really getting it done on any front. And I think that's primarily because Frank Harris has been hurt. JT Clark has not yet played. Uh, he is on the depth chart this week, though, which means he may be back playing in his first action of 2023. Uh, and yeah, the line movement, which has been in favor of Army quite a bit, uh, I think it was open at 12 and now it's down to 9. Uh, that kind of seems that they either don't expect Harris to play, or if he does play, he's going to be in and out, maybe not at 100%. Like I said, UTSA's offense looks b- bad. <laughs> it's, it's, no way around it. They have a sub-40% success rate on the season against Texas State, who has had back-to-back good defensive performances, but I wouldn't call a great defense by any means. Uh, and then Houston, who just gave up 43 freaking points to Rice. So I don't know. I think the UTSA offense is broken right now. They're 111th in pass EPA, 94th in rush EPA, just like bottom rung numbers here. Um, but they're running 81 plays a game, which is the, the fifth most in the country. So a lot of tempo and not a lot of success to be seen from it. On the other side, Army against Louisiana Monroe. They they look bad. They had a 99% post-game win expectancy but they only scored six points on six different scoring opportunities. So they end up losing that game to the Warhawks in a beautiful, sunny, tropical Monroe, Louisiana. Uh, then they came back and played Delaware State, who's 122nd in my FCS ratings. Uh, and then they looked explosive. Uh, you know, Bryson Daly, the quarterback, his numbers are actually really like statistically good right now, but I think that's helped long by that 57-0 win. He had three touchdowns on eight completions. I mean, they were bombing it downfield and to great success. Granted, against Delaware State. Now, I think that there's a a big adjustment period going on. Uh, We hear it all the time. I'm not a huge fan of offenses that undergo massive foundational changes like Army is undergoing this year. Usually it takes a long time to adjust unless you're Georgia Southern in which you can just turn it around overnight. Army's not one of those programs. So I worry about that in this game. If you want to see a good example of it, Georgia Tech uh, transitioning out of triple option. Still haven't figured it out. So, you know, the adjustment period there, I worry about Army's ability to score on on a... you know, a team with half a pulse, uh, even if UTSA is a little bit broke right now. But what say you about this game? Yeah, you said the lines, UTSA minus nine. I have UTSA minus eight. It's a 71% chance to win. The model's been fairly dialed in on UTSA overall, with the Roadrunners power rating moving less than a point and a half since the preseason, and their projected win total is still within 0.2 games of the preseason realistic expectation. That said, there has been a lot of movement of these two units in opposite directions, almost equal and opposite as it turns out. I projected this offense to be number 37 in the preseason. It's fallen all the way down to number 71, as you mentioned, Frank Harris and the other issues that we're facing on this offense. The defense, on the other hand, though, has improved from number 79 to number 55. So I think if the offense can really round into form, if Frank Harris can get healthy, this team can and will be a contender in the American. We talked about my numbers have right now SMU Memphis, Tulane's third, UTSA still fourth as things stand right now. If they get that offense rolling, they can be a contender in the American, I I believe. As you noted, though, Brett, Army, on the other hand, they've had a really interesting first two weeks of the season. Uh, Incredibly disappointing opening loss at at ULM, followed up by an impressive and dominant win over what was a very bad or what is a very bad Delaware State team. But still, it was a very dominant win. Um, All told, 
Army's power rating has actually improved slightly from the preseason, but their projected win total is down slightly due to that surprising loss to ULM uh, to open the year. I had this offense number 101, but the defense has been the story. Uh, currently ranked number 66 for me, which is up from number 95 in the preseason. And again, we have to be careful about you know who have they played and, and, and all of that, but I'm adjusting for that. I'm phasing out preseason, phasing in in-season. So we're really starting to get kind of the, the, the rounded curve here and, and a smooth curve. So I feel good about these unit ranks where they are right now, and you can probably draw a little bit from the, the trajectory of not just Army, but any team as we're talking about the offensive and defensive unit ranks. I have a 59% chance for Army to go bowling. So if they get this one, a game in which I'm only giving them a 29% chance to win, that's going to look a lot better. So Army fans, this is almost one that if you can steal it on the road, you're going to be feeling really good about your chances to go bowling. Um, bottom line, I have UTSA minus eight, 29% chance for the cadets to pull off the upset on the road. Now, I don't know if it's because Will Stein left. I don't know if he was like the lifeblood of this UTSA offense, the offense coordinator. Now he's up in uh, Oregon who dropped you know, 90,000 points on Portland, poor Portland state in that first opening weekend. So I don't know if like the departure of the offensive coordinator is what's breaking UTSA's offense, but I could also see it as, you know, because Harris is a little bit banged up, maybe he's not playing all that well and he's missing some weapons. Once that all comes to a head and converges and he's finally feeling better and he gets his weapons back, there is going to be a time where, you know, UTSA is in a game with a 44 and a half point total just moved while we're recording here. And then they drop 44 on a team. And I could see that coming to a head. So if you're looking for a time to get ahead of the market, maybe this is the game. Uh, you know, you can you can lay the points under 10. Uh, you can take over on the 44 and a half. Maybe look at UTSA's team total and bet over on that. That's if you're thinking, hey, you know, I think missing to Corey and Clark and him coming back and being that true number two to Josh Josephs is like, that's what's going to get things clicking, then go ahead. Uh, you know, call your shot. That's, what, that's I think, what UTSA is going to be this season. It's just going to have to be, you're going to have to dig your heels in, pick a good spot, pick a good weekend, uh, and really call your shot on this team. Um, and that may be what we're getting here with, with Army. Like you said, your preseason defense was, was number 95, and they're up, but they're still only up to 66. That's still a vulnerable defense mm -hmm. that a well-run offense with a couple of stars on it can take advantage of. So if you're looking for a time to dig in your heels and, and call your shot, maybe this is the week that you're doing it. I, uh, you know, it is nationally televised, so maybe Frank Harris is a little bit extra juice to him. But right now, without Will Stein, with some injuries to their star quarterback, uh, this offense is truly, truly broken. Uh, moving forward to uh, an old ACC matchup, no longer the ACC. Uh, it is Virginia at Maryland. Maryland, a 14 and a half point favorite, has an over under 49 points, almost pushing up on that 50, but not quite there. Uh, this game kicks off at 7 p.m. Eastern on FS1. I, I'm seeing that this opened, like, when I say extremely briefly, I mean in seconds, uh, moved away from Maryland minus 20. Let me repeat you, minus 20, down to minus 14 and a half. So a lot of money coming in on Virginia here. Uh, Tony Musket, starting quarterback for Virginia, did miss last week with an injury. Now, the backup, true freshman, um, Anthony Calandria, he completed 77% of his passes and threw for 377 yards on James Madison. I mean, he's 5'11", 180. He's not the biggest dude running around out there. Again, true freshman, but absolutely lit it up. Looked really good and made some plays in a weird game that was rain-delayed for hours and hours and hours. But Tony Elliott said that Musket will probably start on Friday. Uh, he was a full-go practice today, Tuesday, as we're recording here. Uh, and he expects him to be back in the lineup. I've uh, seen a lot of people 
calling for Calandria to start this game after what he was able to do in that one brief showing. Um, Maryland, Tyrese Chambers, their star transfer uh, wide receiver from FIU. He missed week two. Um, you've an offensive lineman. I am going to butcher this, but I'm going to try my best anyway. Gottlieb, Ayedaze, I think is how it's pronounced. I'm very sorry to that. I think I definitely uh, butcher that. But either way, he's also expected to play starting offensive lineman after missing the first two games. So they're getting some of their guys back. Uh, the offensive line got absolutely no push against Charlotte of all teams on that Saturday night primetime matchup that they stuck on NBC. I'll be honest, did not watch a lot of that game. But uh, looking at the the offensive line really, really struggled there against Charlotte, which pff, not exactly, you know, Maryland's not exactly the team to come in and punish you for that, but that's pretty concerning. And then on the other side, their wide receivers, they have seven drops so far in the first two games. That's tied for the third most among teams with two games. That's 13%, by the way, of all of um, Tulia's attempts have been dropped. So dealing with some struggles here for the Terps. It's not great. Yeah, I just give you credit for attempting to pronounce names. That's why I QB one O line offensive tackle <laughs> corner. I just I just go with positions. I love it. Uh, I have Maryland minus fifteen and a half. Brett, it's an eighty six percent chance to win. You mentioned this. The Terps got off to a slow start last week against Charlotte on NBC in primetime in a game I previewed for the Lions dot com. Um, I even talked about in in the preview for that like. Tackablo is by himself. Like he's got no one. He's the only player on that team who last year was a all big 10 selection at any of the first team second team or third team there's no one else on that team offense or defense special teams that is on this year's roster that was a all big 10 selection last year like it is him and that is it and we talked about that and and it showed for a bit and again they were the better team and they were more talented team and eventually that that came through they eventually pulled away and won by 18 maryland's power rating though offensive unit rank defensive unit rank have all remained within five spots of their preseason rankings and the projected win totals remained within 0.2 games of their preseason realistic expectations as well. So um, the model for however we get there, the model has been dialed in on the results and the performance of this Maryland team through two weeks, again, against FCS Townsend and a, and a not great uh, low-level FBS Charlotte. Um, the Terps should cruise in this one because Virginia is among the worst power five teams in 2023. So this is not going to be really any more of a difficult test almost than in either of their previous two games. The Virginia offense has been about what I expected, perhaps even slightly better. They've moved from number 125. Again, we have 133 teams, 125 to number 118. This defense has been dreadful though. Um, I, I foolishly, as it turns out, thought this was potentially going to be a top 30 unit. They've fallen all the way to number 71. I mean, that's a massive fall for two weeks. Again, we're, it's not like you're just, okay, replace everything we had in the preseason with what we have in season. No, like a preseason weight of top 30 is still in the model a decent amount, and you've fallen all the way to number 71. Your in-season performance has been that bad. Um, again, likely to drop further because there is not a single game on Virginia's schedule in which I make the Cavaliers a favorite. Not one. Even FCS, William & Mary in week six, a home game, I make it a pick 'em right now and a 49% chance to win for Virginia. Like, it's a bad team. Bottom line, Maryland minus 15 14% chance for Virginia to pull off the upset here. Uh, I'm going to put, well, so you, you are absolutely correct in saying that Talia is the only returning all Big Ten member. I, I am going to push back a little bit, though. They do have another dude on this team, and it's, it's a bet that I placed. Roman Hemby, their running back, is a dude. Uh, the bet that I placed in this game, the skin that I have here, I took over 68 and a half rushing yards. Uh, you can find that at FanDuel. I expect it to climb. Uh, that, to me, is a misprice. 
He's averaging over five yards per carry after contact. That is the seventh most in the country among players that have at least 20 rushes in the two or three games that they played here. Uh, Virginia's 131st in rush EPA and defense. Last year, that would have been last. This year, it's third to last because we added two more teams. 131st in rush EPA. And Hemby, he's an explosive runner. That's what he does. He breaks tackles and he breaks 70, 80-yard runs. So um, I love this Roman Hemby number. I mean, he's one of those players that could just cover that in one single rush. So, uh, yeah, give, give me Roman Hemby over that to, to run over this uh, defense that you said is is absolutely regressing. Uh, and the offense is, I, I don't, I don't understand it. I, I don't get it. Tony Elliott has successfully just dismantled this team's ability to run an offense. They had a 4,000-yard passer in Brennan Armstrong who, to be honest, doesn't really look all that good uh, at NC State either. So I, I don't know what Tony Elliott came in and did. Uh, just crushed it. He, he, you know, he brought up uh, Tony Musket from the FCS, who is a pretty uh, accomplished passer and just turned him into nothing. Uh, maybe, I don't know. Maybe Klandrick can, can turn this team around. We'll, we'll see. It's a long hill to climb. It is. Yes. Uh, it's one that I don't believe Tony Elliott will be overseeing uh, by the end of this year. Most likely not. So now we got a Utah State at Air Force. Air Force is a nine and a half point favorite with an over under of 45 points. This game kicks off at 8 p.m. Eastern on CBS Sports Network. This, I, I know the Mountain West has existed on CBS Sports Network, but like Utah State at Air Force belongs on CBS Sports Network. Don't ever put this on another station. This is what I want to see as I'm drifting off to sleep at 1130 at night in like a 19 to 14 game. Uh, there is rain that is expected in this game. It's a pretty good chance as of now, but no wind impacts. I uh, Actually, in this day and age, even, you know, Air Force doesn't throw the ball a lot, but Division One power fire, well, group five, but Division One quarterbacks can throw in the rain. Hard stop. They just can't. They don't need the laces. They have big hands. They're, they're well, they're, you know, they're well trained. Rain doesn't really slow down offenses. It's wind that slows down offenses. So if you see rain in the forecast here, don't just go auto smashing the under. It, it, that, that's a losing battle here. Uh, Troy Calhoun, he is the third best coach in the FBS uh, with his record against the spread. He covers 61.4% of all of his games in 17 seasons, Kelly. This is not a small sample size. This man overproduces each and every year. 61.4%. If you just blindly bet Air Force under Troy Calhoun, the spread for the last 17 seasons, you'd have made a killing. Uh, Air Force, they took care of business against what's turning out to be a really good Sam Houston defense. I mean, like, terrific. Um, but their offense is so bad. They are averaging one and a half points per game as an FBS team. Congratulations, Bearcats. Uh, the offensive line for Air Force, we knew was going to be good. They're generating about two and a quarter line yards per carry. That's pretty solid, if you ask me. Utah State's defensive line, though, held Iowa to less than a yard in line yards. That's strength versus strength. I'm really excited to see this kind of matchup up front. They also held uh, 50% of Iowa's carries to two or fewer yards. So Utah State is not messing around in the front seven. Their run fits are just terrific right now. Um, I'm going to be honest here. I don't really take a lot of stock in uh, the Aggies' 78 points that they dropped on Idaho State. I... Idaho State may very well field the singular worst defense in all of Division One. They allowed 36 to San Diego State. I I don't think the market really takes too much value in that either because we're not seeing Utah State this enormous betting favor that people are jumping all over. Um, oh, it's a quick note on the total. It just jumped a point and a half. Almost two points. We're looking at 46 and a half, 47. Huh. Somebody is on the over on this game. Uh, but I digress. Back to it. So how does your model handle enormous outlier games like Utah State dropping 78 inexplicably last week? 
Yeah, it's definitely an outlier game, and my model definitely reacted. Utah State was my biggest mover this week in the positive direction. They were up 4.9 points uh, and 20 spots in the rankings from just a week ago. So you're right. We don't want to overreact, but because the Aggies far exceeded my model's expectations against Idaho State, they are getting a big bump here. Uh, I've talked about this a couple other times on Twitter or other places too. The biggest mover for me this week was Utah State at 4.9. The biggest mover for me after week um, one was Oklahoma at 6.9. So you can see as we get going here, it becomes harder and harder to have big swings in a single week for any team. So that's another way that the model's trying to kind of dampen the the, the effect of large out, blowouts or even when you would exceed or underperform expectations – the farther we get into the year, the harder it is to move too much because you have a better read on the team with that in-season data being phased in and the preseason educated guesses, essentially what they are, being phased out. So definitely it reacted. Definitely I'm cognizant of the fact that, you know, 78 to 28 against FCS Idaho State with a terrible defense, probably not super indicative of future success, but they did do much better than, than the model suggested. And so they are getting a, a decent bump this week. Well, and Utah State's a really interesting team because going back to... 2018, at the very least, Utah State has had at least, at least a four-game swing in their record, be it positive or negative. They're going from 11 and four to seven and six to one and five to 11 and three, back down to seven and six. And when they're at that number, I'm like, okay, well, they're certainly not, or they're sorry, they're six and seven. They're certainly not going to have a four-win swing again. But coming out of the gate with the way that they can run the ball and defend the run, they may be in store for a surprise 10 win seal. A lot of people are on the back are backing the Aggies right now. They did not allow this blew my mind. I had to triple check this. They did not allow a single tackle for loss against Iowa's crazy good defense. And they got 2.4 line yards per carry against Iowa's defense, which what a top five, top 10 unit in, in your got, defense. I got, rankings. I got a number one. I got number one, number right one. And, and they got 2.4 line yards per carry, no tackles for losses. Um, they're going up against another really tough front in Air Force, but they proved that they can do it on the road against a Power 5 opponent with your number one defense. So I expect that they'll be able to run the ball again. This is going to be a run-heavy game here. Again, the market reacted to the over, uh, so I'm probably not going to recommend betting the under here, but this is going to be two teams that can run the absolute heck out of the ball. Yeah. I have the Mountain West just holistically. This is a great Mountain West game on a Friday night on CBS Sports Network. Like you said, I have the Mountain West race as pretty wide open right now. Boise State has a 43% chance to make the conference championship game. That's best in, in the conference, and it's 43. That means there's a 57% chance that they don't. So nobody's a favorite at this point to make it to the conference championship game. Fresno State and Air Force are both tied for second at 33%. San Jose State, Wyoming, Utah State here all have better than a 20% chance. So with an Air Force win – their 33% chance to make it to the conference championship game, it rises to 42%. Utah State's odds improve from 21% currently to 37% if they get this win. So this game is huge for both teams. It's early in the year, I know. But this game is huge for both teams. These are two of the top contenders for the conference championship game in this conference. I have Air Force minus five with a 64% chance to win. So maybe that's me reacting a little bit more than Vegas, as you talked about there, to, to what this line is, as I'm about four and a half points off what the Vegas line is. Air Force continues to be bad on offense. They're ranking number 111 nationally for me, but this defense has genuinely been awesome. Now, granted, it's against pretty poor competition, but they currently rank number seven in the country after my latest update. I mean, this is like an Iowa team. Like, the, the, the defense is great, and the offense is not good. Like, 
that's kind of what we're looking at here. You talked about Sam Houston earlier too. Same thing, not to this level of greatness on defense, but good defense and a horrific offense. Like there's a couple teams out there who fit this mold. Air Force is one of them. I already talked about Utah State being my biggest mover this week, but the Aggies are also among my top 10 biggest risers in the power rating since the preseason too. So when you look at their preseason power rating versus what it is currently, it's something I'll keep updated on the website every week. But right now they're in the top 10 of that as well. Granted, we're only through a couple weeks, but um, both units for Utah State started the year ranked number 110 or worse. They are now both in the 80s. So I have seen good improvement from Utah State, better than what we've expected. Again, I know what they've played, Idaho State, and that game at Iowa. Like you said, there were positives to take away from that game at Iowa. You, you touched on some of those in the running game, especially. So of the 10 remaining games, this one is currently projecting as the most difficult for the Aggies by my numbers. The difference here for this one, it could be as simple as this game is at Air Force. Like It could come down to being the home field advantage is the difference. So bottom line, I have Air Force minus five, a 36% chance for Utah State to pull off the upset on the road. Falcon Stadium, the second highest elevation FBS stadium behind Wyoming. Uh, so yeah, the, the home field advantage is real. Uh, Logan, yep. Utah isn't exactly at that same kind of elevation, albeit they're not at sea level. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I, I think I, I lean with you here. Um, if your numbers are showing Air Force minus five, then uh, let's see. I don't know if we're going to get a 10 on on Utah State. If we can get a 10 on Utah State, I'd, I'd play the Aggies there. Um, I lean to take nine and a half, take the points with Utah State. Two good rushing teams, two very good defenses. We're talking about a potentially low-scoring game, and when you have a low-scoring game between two evenly matched teams, uh, taking the points with the underdog it, it isn't the worst idea, and uh, your number's back in that. So if I had to pick a lean here, uh, give me uh, Utah State plus the points. Uh, but try to wait for 10 if, if you can here. Can't hurt. Moving on to the last game that we have here on our slate. I'm cheating a little bit. It's not a weeknight game, but cool announcement. The lines.com college football podcast is now also available on the WDRB plus app in Louisville and around Kentucky as sports betting launches in uh, my Southern neighbor, both of our Southern neighbors. Mm -hmm. uh, they do have sports betting now coming to them. So uh, we're also uh, on YouTube uh, and wherever you get your podcast. So, Hello, Louisville. Hello, Kentucky. Thanks for having us. We're going to talk the Louisville Cardinals, who are 10-point favorites uh, at a neutral site against Indiana. They're playing this game at Lucas Oil Stadium. Kicks off at 12 p.m. noon uh, Eastern on Big Ten Network. Has an over-under 52 points. Indiana, how about this? Defense is good. I'm ready to say it. I'm ready to put it out there. Defense is, I think, legitimately pretty good. They held Ohio State to 23 points, and now... Ohio State had their own issues in terms of play calling and, and quarterback play and just kind of not getting it done. But I do think a lot of this could be attributed to Indiana having a pretty solid defense. Uh, they held Indiana State, FCS team, mid-level, I get it, under 100 total yards in the game. Like, it's good stuff. Their defensive front, I think, looks really good. Western Michigan transfer Andre Carter leads that group on the defensive line. He's a stud. They have an athletic group, particularly in their linebacking core and, and safety core. I mean, like, they're flying around. They're coming down. They're turning the ball over. They're making tackles at the line of scrimmage against teams that are genuinely excellent, like Ohio State. So I think we could get used to Indiana being, like, this kind of feisty, fiery option team with a good defense. Uh, certainly worse places that the Hoosiers have been in the past uh, couple of years. Their quarterback, Brennan Sorsby, he's the passing guy, but 
boy, he has not been great. 5.2 air yards per attempt. Blech, gross. Uh, Taven Jackson, he's the more athletic runner, and he's got a bit more pop through the air, too. He's about 10 air yards uh, per attempt. And then Jalen Lucas has been terrific running the ball, uh, 5.3 yards per carry so far in the season. I mean, this is just a true option, Kelly. It's it's what they're running right now, and I, I didn't expect it. Um, maybe if I was more tuned in, I would have expected it, but, like, it's looking good. It, it's visually appealing. So, Indiana don't take them lightly. This is a pretty dangerous team that I think is well improved from last year. Good defense, weird offense that can, I don't know. I haven't seen if it can get done yet. They got it done against Indiana state, I suppose. And then on Louisville side, uh, not many data points take away from the Murray state game. Pretty easy win. 56, nothing, uh, cruise to it. Jawar Jordan still absolutely dominant yards after contact on average 10 and a half. <laughs> That's most nationally. Now, a lot of those have come on big, chunk yards where he runs through a couple of tackles and and breaks 60 more off of that um but he's gonna need all 10 and a half those yards after contact on average against this indiana front yep this game you mentioned it brett's right here in my backyard lucas oil stadium in indianapolis which is where i live because i live in indy i hear about iu on the radio now granted we're usually talking about basketball when we're talking iu but uh they have been talking iu football on the radio recently i think uh, Jackson's been named the starter for this game against Louisville. Um, I have Louisville minus 10 and a half with a 77% chance to win. Louisville started the year power rated number 39, and they've risen to number 27. They've improved by more than three points compared to the average FBS team. So much of that improvement by my numbers is due to last week's beatdown of FCS Murray State, which saw Louisville land in the top 10 of my biggest movers this week. I talked about Utah State being the biggest. Louisville's in the top 10. The defense has been slightly worse than I projected, but it's the offense that's been much better. They've improved from number 51 to number 27 on the offensive side of the ball. I think that's a Jeff Brom effect coming in right away and kind of putting his stamp on it as a Purdue grad. Um, we enjoyed having Jeff Brom uh, up at Purdue for as long as he was there. And uh, what he did for the Purdue program during that time was great. And he's certainly doing that for his hometown team and, and where he belongs, which is as the head coach of Louisville. Despite Louisville being just the sixth highest power rated team for me in the ACC. They are the sixth highest power rated team in the ACC. The Cardinals now, by my numbers, have the second best chance to make the ACC Commerce Championship game at 35%. So again, it's only 35%, but that's still the second best behind only Florida State, who's at a whopping 87%. Um, It's due to the schedule. So Louisville has a a pretty easy non-conference schedule. They don't have to play uh, Clemson. They don't have to play North Carolina. They don't have to play... um, I'm blanking on the other one they don't play out of the ACC. Uh, North Carolina Clemson or who's the third one that they don't play? I can't remember who it is off the top of my head. They don't play the big contenders in the ACC. So that, to me, is why they have the best chance to make it to the ACC championship game behind only Florida State. Indiana, on the other hand, better than expected this year, as you said, improving from number 80 to 64 overall. The defense is to credit, like you said. That unit came into the season projecting number 99 for me. They're all the way up to number 64. I still have um, IU as the worst team in the Big Ten East. Um, They have the worst offense and the worst defense in the division. So it's not roses for IU. Interesting note here, this was supposed to be game one of a three-game contract that would see IU play at Louisville next year, and then IU would host the Cardinals in Bloomington in 2025. Just yesterday or today, IU paid $1 million to get out of that game next year, and now they're replacing Louisville with an FCS opponent. Not a fan of that move. Um, not a fan of IU as a Purdue guy. And we're talking to the Louisville crowd. So I'll be rooting for Louisville uh, here in this game. Florida State, that's the other one as I'm sitting here. They don't play Florida State. They don't play Clemson. They don't play North Carolina. Three of the teams that have among the best power ratings. It's a very good schedule for Louisville just to close the loop on that one. Um, Bottom line, Louisville minus 10.5, 23% chance for the Hoosiers to pull off the upset here in Indianapolis. 
Okay, I'll let uh, the Louisville residents uh, jump on your bandwagon and be be fans with you. I'm going to paint a less rosy picture potentially this game here. It's just about the numbers. Oh, set. some of my right. picks. Yeah, for sure. Huh. Yep. No, I I need better decision making from Jack Plummer uh, against Georgia Tech. I was not impressed. A lot of uh, kind of throws on the night. A lot of turnover worthy plays that I still don't have data from because apparently just they didn't collect data on that game at all. Um, Indiana secondary, they'll make you pay. They picked off Cal McCord from Ohio state and held him without a touchdown. So you're talking about that kind of caliber of wide receiver core. I know that Marvin Harrison jr. Had that touchdown that got called back. Cause he ran out of bounds. But like you're talking about that kind of caliber of receiving core and you held him without a passing touchdown. So this secondary playing really well, and they will pick Jack Plummer apart. If he's going to be making those kind of poor decisions, like he did against Georgia tech here, uh, I don't love laying to 10 when, when Louisville's away from home. I know it's a neutral sider, but kind of not really. Uh, I don't love laying to 10 here. Here's where you may get mad at me. I may lean under Louisville's team total if I can get it at 32 or better. Showing 31 and a half FanDuel, it's it's juiced. If I can get a 32, a square 32 or higher than that, I will absolutely take under their team total here. That doesn't mean that the Cardinals aren't going to win. And it's not saying that they won't even cover the spread because I don't know if, if Indiana is capable of scoring a touchdown against an FBS opponent. Guess we'll find out, but they're, I, I'm a true believer in this defense. I, I think that the way the scheme, the, the way these guys are flying around the athleticism, I think they're going to be pesky, nasty, annoying, kind of like how Rutgers was uh, a couple years ago when they held Michigan to like 17 points. Mm-hmm. Uh, that kind of defense is what I kind of expect from Indiana for the rest of the year here. Just, because they they just man they just don't quit they're obnoxious they're you know for for in the, all the best ways uh, they're they're obnoxious there but yeah uh, if I had to lean here I think I'm going to take Louisville's team total uh, I will take under that but hop on over to our Discord server where you can connect with over four thousand sports betting fans and get live updates in our college football channel which is super sharp. Uh, a lot of really good, good, sharp people in there. Uh, it's a very active community, too, especially on Saturdays. I can barely keep up with all the messages in there. Uh, people are throwing their bets in there, get, giving opinions back and forth, props. Uh, the best part is when I place a bet, you can get the best number out of it. You don't have to listen to me sit on here and say, yeah, well, you know, I grabbed the team at this number. No, you can be in there and get that as I, uh, as I place it. Don't forget to subscribe to Lines YouTube for weekly college football odds and betting videos all season long. We'll be back here to talk the Saturday slate soon enough. And be sure to subscribe to us on your podcasting app of choice. Drop us a good review if you like the show. If you think that we're doing a good job or not so good job, let us know either way. Kelly, before we get out of here, let everybody listening know where they can find your work. For sure. Uh, on X at KFord Ratings. You have the website KFordRatings.com and then writing a couple articles per week over at TheLines.com as well. Uh, that'll get you squared away for all my college football content. Yes, the, the watchability rankings, I think, is the one that's been uh, a resounding favorite of our readers and of myself personally. It helps me prioritize what I'm going to have on the screen when. But thank I you so it. much, as always, for watching. I'm Brett Gibbons. That is Kelly Ford, and we'll see you all next week.